Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hello, welcome to the next episode of the Challenge of the Podcast. Uh, we have a lot of exciting stuff for you. you. It might not seem like so because, you know, there was just one challenger, just Omniscopia. What are they going to talk about? But of course, uh, we're also going to review our Ron Garros qualifying picks. We also have this draft pick game that we're going to um, explain later, I suppose. Uh, we've already had it a few times, but maybe if you, if you weren't there. And also, uh, of course, there are three more challengers to preview. Uh, but anyway, I think we don't really have a choice, right? This time we have to go to North Macedonia. Yeah, let's get started. Let's go to Skopje, where I got my point this week. After all these years, I finally got a point, uh, <laughs> lowering your leads <laughs> down to four uh, over me. But it was Mate Valkus coming out of qualifying to beat Francisco Comesaña 6-3, 6-4 in the final for his first challenger title in his third final. He started by beating Bukarik. I, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. A, a, a J after a K. I will never know. Uh, 6-4-6-1. Then to cut Matthias Borg. 6-2-6-love. In the main draw, it wasn't easy going in the start. Uh, I mean, going down a, a 2-6 in the first set uh, to Paulson. Came back to win at 6-4 in the third. Got bageled by Sumi Nagal, but won 6-2 in the third. From there on, he turned the 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 next gear or, or or he went into next gear really beating uh Aziz Dukas 6-1-6-1 Madaras 6-2-7-6 then dropping seven games in the final up 58 spots number 225 his new career high ranking what did you think of Valkus this week yeah it also clearly wasn't that much of an issue for him to play like a match and a half in a day which happened to him, uh, you know, when it comes to the the ones against Nagal and Dugas. But of course, the the sets that he won were just so rapid that it didn't really matter. Um, yeah, for Nota Valkus, I guess it's always tough to win seven matches in a row, right? Like with how often the guy, the guy gets injured. But thankfully, recently he has been well in in good shape, and uh, it's already showing in his results. Uh, of course, I cannot really be angry about this, about the fact that you got a point because one, it's, it's on a player that I think we were both really excited for, like for him yeah, to get I, his I picked him like three stronger. times this year already. Like yeah. I just kept picking him. Exactly. And like for a, a player that we were really hoping would get this challenger title pretty soon, who clearly is much better than, you know, his ranking, his results. Uh, this is a big step towards making Ron Garros qualies next year. This, uh, like, you know, this time around. Um, so he will actually hope not to be in Skopje, but to be in Paris <laughs> this time next year. And, um, great story as well with all of the Hungarian golden generation, 1998, 1999 born. I think only Valkus actually is 1998 born and Maroshan and Pirosha like born within five days of each other in 1999. But of course, together they sort of come along into this one great Hungarian generation, which is incredible, honestly, that they have three players like this. Uh, seeing as, you know, it's never been that prolific of a nation in tennis. Of course, they've had top players before, like Fucovic, like Balash Taroce, it's still the highest ranked Hungarian. 
uh, ever. But um, to actually get three guys like this, uh, I think it is ridiculous. I think it will maybe, um, you know, I, I think all of them can easily make the top 100 in the future. I don't know if at the same time. I don't know if at the same time with Fucovic, but it's such a nice story as well that the, all of them got their maiden challenger titles in like within less than a year. Uh, Valkus and Piroš were, of course, the big junior prospects with Valkus getting to world number one, Piroš winning the Australian Open. Maroshan sort of quietly chased them down, maybe because of the fact that Piroš and uh, Valkus have been injured like throughout their careers, it seems. Uh, but this year they're actually reasonably healthy and uh, hopefully it's not the last that we that we see of uh, Mate Valkus claiming challenger titles. He was actually in the final five years ago, right, in Cordenons. And uh, such a legendary set of opponents in his previous two finals as well, Paolo Lorenzi and Zdenek Kolas, uh, the um, sort of cult heroes of the Challenger Tour, I would say. Francisco Comesania isn't at that level yet. Uh, maybe maybe a cult a hero run. to be in the future. Comesania. Maybe. We'll, we'll, it's we'll possible. Mate Valkus has yeah. definitely been a cult hero of this show, I think. Yeah. And uh, it's good that he has this title. I really cannot be angry at, uh, at you getting this point. Yeah, so, so happy for him. Uh, of course, I've been sort of aware of him as most people have since he was a junior. Uh, and if you just sort of look at the the stop and start, stop and start that he has had to go through his entire career, the the lows that he has been taken to ranking wise because of his injuries, to persevere through all of that, and finally win his first challenger title, you could see how much it meant to him and the stream celebrating it. Uh, just really emotional. So yeah, really, really happy. He now gets into this uh, slam qualifying range, more main draws for him, no more qualifying for a while, hopefully, uh, if, if if he keeps this up. So really, really great to see Mate Valkus come through this way. Yeah, as for Comesania, this was his third challenger final, first loss in the final. He started with a retirement from Jason McCabe after 11 games, 6-1 for Love Up. Then he beat Fonio, Crawford, and Donskoy all in straight sets. Uh, the last two, 6-4, 6-1, So he was uh, in good form as well, but couldn't really make his mark on the final. Like I know there, there were some breakbacks uh, back and forth in that second set, but uh, it never really felt to me like, like Comesanya was, was coming back to win it personally. Still, he moves up 32 spots, number 241. What did you make of Comesanya this week? Yeah, but he also wasn't that far off, I suppose. I know on the way to the final, he was just winning everything so easily. And it, and it's such a huge run for him as well. Uh, he obviously won back-to-back challenger 50s in June last year and then kind of struggled following it up. Um, I guess in the final, like he was just, you know, the, the much worse shot maker. And he, uh, whenever he tried to play a bit more aggressively, the control would go away, but still, um, very positive week for him. I, you know, he, he, these points that he won last year, these back to back challenger fifties, they are coming like soon enough. He's going to have to defend them some way. And of course, after that, oh, he actually did not win a single match at the end of the, until the end of 2022 after winning these back to back fifties. I knew he was like not doing well, but I, I didn't remember that he was like that he didn't win a match until the end of the year. So I guess that kind of already tells you how much he has to gain in the second half of the year too, as after June, he did not gain a single point. And it's not like Delian or Parios Vera who were out for six months. He was actually playing and didn't gain a single point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he really That's struggled. Wild. That's why he was so low in the rankings as well, outside the top 270 coming into this week. So obviously this helps him a lot back in the top 250 now. 
but yeah, really opens opens it up for him. The, the the potential is there. We have seen it this week. We have seen it before. So hopefully he follows it up. Let's move on to our semifinalists, starting with Dragos Nikolai Maderas, who beat Max Kashnikovsky to start 7-6-6-1. Kashnikovsky, who beat Blazerola in a, in a crazy match in qualifying. That was a lot of fun. And then Aydukovic in another crazy match. I mean, both of them yeah. were just... Wow. So that, that that was enough for Max for the week. Madarash took him out 7-6-6-1. Then he beat Steven Diaz 6-3 in the third. Took out Alexander Weiss 6-3-6-3. His second career challenger semifinal after Banya Luka last year. Nine ITF titles on the year. He is one away from holding the sole record, I believe. So he has now equaled it with yeah. Safwat and who? Um, Safwat, Belotti and Podlipnik Castillo. Yeah, there you go. And he's already uh, scheduled for two more uh, ITFs coming up here, where he's going to be the top seed. So, I think he will he he will probably break it uh, really soon. But yeah, what yeah. do you make of Madaras this week? I, I checked that too, actually. And then and, and you're right. I was I was like, oh oh wow, if Dragos Nikolai Madaras actually like uh, makes the final here, he's going to be in the top two hundred, and then he cannot sign up Ooh. for ITFs. <laughs> So I had to check like whether whether he's uh, still signed up for anything, you know, because I think like retroactively, if he signed up with a ranking outside the top 200, then I think he can still play it. I think that's how it works. Uh, and anyway, um, there's also another record that he's chasing because on the women's side, the, the record is 10. So he could mm-hmm. buy Arancha Rus a couple of years back. So he can actually yeah, also get, get to this. Um, Rus won a 10, 25 case. So. Madaras can't really do it. Most of the ones that he won were 15 Ks, but um, you know, it's just yeah. so, and, and, so and, and, and she won them as like a as like a main tour level player at oh, the yeah. time. Like like that was the insane thing was that she well, <laughs> she would be like in the main draws of slams, I think, yeah. and then she would still be somehow dropping down to play these 25 Ks. So, and, so it's like you know, Madaras basically. It's like Madaras because he can clearly play on, challengers. On steroids, yeah. Like he, Madaras can clearly survive in challengers and like exactly. easily survive in challengers. And yet he uh, just goes for this record, which is kind of crazy. At the same time, I, I like it because, you know, the story is good. I basically tweet about Dragos Nikolai Madaras winning a title every single week now because <laughs> it's just such a good story. And of course, a historic moment for tennis nerds. It's a historic moment for tennis nerds, but you know, I know a lot of tennis nerds, a lot of tennis nerds follow me on Twitter. So I keep that updated about it. And it's, it's such a good story, but I mean, he can clearly uh, just be a, a force in challengers. I don't know if higher, I think he's one of the players who probably, if he wasn't a lefty, he would never be as good as he is. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I, I, I really think if he started just playing challengers, he would be winning matches. Of course, on clay, I'm, I'm not really sure about other surfaces. I don't know if I've ever even seen him play on other surfaces, but you know, on clay at least yeah, he I, definitely I is a force. On a, on a hard court in, in my mind. Just like yeah, he, the, the apparently image. he played like 30-ish matches on other surfaces in his career. So it's actually pretty possible possible that we have never seen him on anything else. Yeah. The other semifinalist was Yevgeny Donskoy, who raged against all the youth this week, beating Landa Luce, Jorpik, Dino Prizmic. 6-2 in the third, Campania Lee. So all these uh, 18-year-olds he's, he's taking out to reach his first challenger semifinal since October 2022 and his first challenger semifinal on clay since February 2012. So his first one in 11 years, insane. That was a meekness. Uh, what did you make of Don Skoy this week? 
Yeah, that's actually insane. I didn't even notice this. Uh, 17-year-old yeah. Andalusia, 17-year-old Prismich, and 18-year-old Campagnoli, and then beaten All by the Comesania, who's 22. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a really exciting path. Of course, the win over Prismich was a big, um, well, it was a big surprise. I don't think it was quite as much of a shock as like the odds make it. Yeah, that, that that was huge, and like yeah. I, I think that was the biggest upset that we had bookies wise this Probably. week. Probably, and like, this. yeah, it just doesn't make sense at all. I think, like, not to this extent, no. but of course, it was still a huge win for Donskoy. Um, I remember picking Prismich because I just felt like no one in his draw was going to be able to, um, well, expose the fact that he doesn't have much else than consistency. And Donskoy actually like sort of blew him off the court in that third set, which uh, was, you know, yeah, it was definitely nice to see. He quietly has had a very good year, 33 and 14. And a lot of that is challenging yeah, he, qualifying. He, he was great on, on uh-huh. uh, ITFs, right? Like, exactly. Like he's, he's um, 12 and two on the ITF tour or something like this. So a lot of that is ITFs. A lot of that is challenger qualifying. But even if you take this out, he is still like a very solid challenger player this year, which um, I didn't really notice, to be honest with you, uh, before this week. I didn't realize how, just how solid his year has been. And I guess that makes sense. Oh, sorry. Yeah. On the ITFs, it was funny because he won two straight titles. Um, and then he made the, the quarters where, where he lost like a really tight match. And then he was to Leo Borg uh, in the first round of, of, of an ITF. And then he went yeah. on to... Leo is also swing. Like improving quite a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, he He's not quite the punchline he, he used to. Yeah. He, used he, to hasn't, be, but, he hasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Out of the quarterfinalists, we had Alexander Weiss making his quarterfinal debut. But I wanted to highlight Gerard Campagna Lee. Who beat Dutra da Silva 6-3-6-2, Nerman Fatic 7-6-4-6-6-2 is also his first challenger quarterfinal at 18 years old. He had a good week last week where, where he got a win over Kinard and took a set off Vukic. What did you make of Campania Lee this week? No, it was it was very fun to watch him. And frankly, since um since that first challenger appearance that he made against Martinez, I think he has already made a lot of progress which uh, maybe just kind of shows you that some of these guys, if they get thrown into this environment and, you know, just for a moment and play a few matches, they can actually improve even just based on that. And um, yeah, um, that's also going to be, I think at the end of the year, one of the guys that if we're just summing up, you know, the accelerator spots and who they helped, who they didn't, I think Campania Lee is one of the very clear benefit, you know, the, the, the guys who very Him clearly and for sure, yeah. managed to benefit out of them. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, th- this is maybe a neither here nor there, but um, I'm definitely planning to like do, I don't know, a Twitter thread or something like this at the end of the year of how, you know, how all the guys actually used their accelerator spots. And, you know, all the statistics regarding this. But I think for now, like even the players that you wouldn't really think they would do anything, like, I don't know, Yaroslav Demin or someone like that, they have still actually been, um, you know, playing close matches. They have still been threatening to get wins. And Campania Lee, of course, has actually already gotten a lot of them. And yeah, it seems like in two months he has made a huge jump. So clearly, even if the system might maybe be a bit unfair towards the players who actually get in into tournaments with their own ranking, it has been uh, great for all these junior talents. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's definitely worked and, and the juniors have, have justified their, their places. Uh, it, it makes a lot of sense to have because ultimately the challengers are meant to be a developmental league sort of 
for for the main tour for for the ATP. So to try and sort of fast track some of our top prospects, like yeah, is is it completely fair to everybody who who has earned uh, more ranking points than them over those past twelve months? No, but it it makes sense for the sport. We will see if that holds up once we get the the college accelerators. Yeah, I'm I'm curious how that's going to compare and how their results are going to compare to the top juniors. I suspect it's not going to be quite as good, but we'll see. At the same uh, time, they might play yeah, a lot more in the states, sure. right? Like they 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 might yeah. play a lot more in the states, so maybe that will also be, um, you know, that that could also change this um the, this contrast somehow. But yeah, um, uh, it's definitely going to be a, a nice thing to like just uh you know just get all the stats about once we actually get a full year with either college or with um uh, yeah with the junior accelerator spots. Yeah, and over in the doubles, we had Petr Noza and Andrew Paulson win their second challenger title this season. It was the third for Noza, who also won one earlier in the year. In the final, they beat Balaji and Edun Cezian, making their first challenger final this season. They did, however, make the final of Pune uh, on the ATP Tour week one. We go to match of the week, upset of the week. Where would you like to start? We can start with match. Uh, as usual, I had to like you know put the poll on Twitter. Uh, I kind of struggled, to be honest with you, because especially since the quarterfinals onwards, everything was in straights and like there weren't any super high quality straight set matches. They were usually very lopsided. So I ended up uh, having three uh, options in the poll and it was Kashnikovsky Idukovic from the qualifying. I did not see Kashnikovsky Rola. Maybe this would have made it in if, uh, if I did. Uh, I also put in Donskoy against Prismich and I also put in Valkus against Nagal. And uh, I decided to actually uh, give the poll a fourth option, which was I only cared about Rangor's qualities. And that's, that's you know, what I voted for. But as you would expect, I mean, <laughs> most people voted for that too. Uh, right now, um, the vote is currently at sixty-seven uh, percent for I only cared about Rangor's qualities. But out of the other options, it's Donskoy versus Prismich, which is leading. I'm actually gonna go with Kashnikovsky uh, against Idukovic. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I don't know if a big fan, but I definitely enjoy both players' games a lot. It's a fun contrast of styles. It was already their third, uh, match since like, uh, I think it was their third match in 31 days, within 31 days or something like that. So definitely a nice rivalry building there. And, um, yeah, the drama was, uh, just something that I did not get from the Donskoy Prismich match or from Valkus Nagal. So that's what I'm going for. Yeah, I mean, I, I, as I often find myself during slam qualifying weeks, I watched almost exclusively slam qualifying this week. So initially, I, I put down the final because it was one of the few interesting mm-hmm. matches that I saw. But I will actually now change it now that I remember that we have qualifying and we can actually pick out of it. I, I will put Kashnikovsky Rola in there because I thought that was a a lot of fun, crazy match. One six seven five seven five. I didn't see Kashnikovsky Adukovic, so maybe the the quality was was higher there and stuff. Uh, but yeah, Kashnikovsky Rola for me. Look at Max Kashnikovsky getting so many mentions. Yeah, in it's, event it's a Kashnikovsky just... double feature. Yeah, he's, he lost he, in he the first all round. The, the for us this week. He lost in the first <laughs> round, and yet he's getting so much coverage. Episode of the week. Uh, who did you like for this one this week? Um. 
I think I'm going to go with Crawford over Puccinelli de Almeida. I remember saying that Puccinelli de Almeida is like one of the main contenders for the title. And then he lost to Crawford, who has not been able to produce in the challengers like at all. He hasn't been able to translate his ITF results over the past couple of years. I saw, I see that for the bookies, it's Donskoy Prismich, but we've already touched on this, that it was pretty crazy. Campagnali over Fatic is similar as well, but I also did not get it at all. Like after watching Campagnali over, um, Tutrada Silva, I was actually pretty certain that he has a great chance against Fatic, so I also don't understand it. Yeah. So it has to be Crawford Puccinelli for me. Yeah, Nerman Fatic is no world beater out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Crawford, uh, that's what I initially was sort of looking at, but uh, I, I didn't realize that he was actually playing some decent tennis on the on the ITFs, beat Jay Clark to, to reach a final, where he lost to Madaras, of course. Um, so I actually went into the doubles and I picked out Bugarik and Ivanovski beating Raja and Sharan, uh, which, you know, if you have two local wildcards beat out like an established team, I I, th- I think that's sort of worthy of, of an upset of the week. I think this is the second time we have a doubles match as an upset of the week pick. And the previous <laughs> one maybe was when I picked uh, Almeida Ribeiro over Matuszewski Marino in South America, yeah. uh, which was also pretty insane. But um, yeah, I get it. Um, definitely. Ivanovski is, a, is at least an established junior, I think. But Bugarik, yeah. I had not heard about before this week at all. Me neither. No. All right. Uh, do we want to do the draft now or the previews? Or well, we should start from the pre- from the um, Ran Garros uh, like review of the qualifying, I think, and then yeah. we could yeah, smoothly yeah. go into the draft pick, I suppose. All right. So let's let's review our picks that we made for Roland Garros qualifying. You have won out, uh, beating me five to four, but it did go down to the final day. It was very very close. I was a Jeffrey Blancano away. Uh, from from tying you on that final day. We were tied going to the final day with uh, us matching on Seboshvild, Ofner, and Karatsev. You also had Sepieri and then Koboli. And then I had uh, Vavasori. I, I got correct that you didn't, uh, where he beat me Solich and then qualified. Yeah, I mean, if we sort of go section by section... Starting with Karatsev, I think he delivered what we expected him to deliver. Uh, the first round was maybe a bit tougher than we expected from Airbear. He he really got himself up for it, but once he once he got once he got through that match in straight sets, he beat Hart in straight sets, beat Monadal, but in straight sets. What did you think of Karatsev this week? Yeah, I think he really solved all the issues he got himself into quite. Um... Yeah, quite admirably and um yeah was definitely um, exactly what we were hoping for right just we picked him because he had a very good draw and he was of course coming off that madrid semi and yeah he just fully delivered i think uh yannick hansman did not deliver though in the second section right because we we both picked him and he eventually lost to elias immer currently at the time of recording he is the first guy out so if someone withdraws until tuesday he can actually get in as a lucky loser. But if no one withdraws, he's actually going to be out, which is pretty crazy. Uh, ranked 64th in the world, I think. But I think Elias Immer played a phenomenal match in the in the final qualities round. It was just one of these efforts that make you think that, uh, you know, how is this guy still not in the top 100? Or how is this guy just, you know, not much better, not a lot better than he than he already is? And yeah, um, that that's really what happened, I think, in this one. But of course, Hanfan was like the obvious selection that everyone was going for. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was I was surprised that uh, Hanfman didn't even really that get that close against uh, mm-hmm. Emer. Of course, Emer is like a slam qualifying evergreen. Uh, <laughs> so, so maybe we under, underestimated him a bit there because we've never really even considered him. I think, but Hanfman, the the form has been so overwhelming that I think you you had I, to I, never, I, I, I didn't see anybody else not picking him here. Yeah, exactly. In the third section, I had Vavasori coming through, and he did. Without dropping a set, he beat your pick, uh, Misolic, 6-4-6-1, then beat Tabilo, 6-4-6-4, which was actually the match that I was worried about the most, for sure. Once Tabilo was the one who emerged past Nagdi and Goyo, those were two very tough tests. Uh, but yeah, Vavasori, what did you make of him? Yeah, I guess this is maybe the section where I kind of um, am I, I, not happy with how my pick did because Misolic was even struggling so much in the opening round uh, against Quaco yeah, and just pulled off a, yeah, a crazy comeback. 6-3, 5 love up uh, Quaco was. So um, yeah, then then your pick beat me. and But frankly, this was one of the most uh, open sections, right? Like we were saying something yeah, like sure. if T2 Androge qualifies, we're going to be surprised if anyone else makes it. Not really. But yeah, um, I actually did not expect that Vavasori will be that much stronger than Tabilo and Misolic. Um, so yeah, kudos to you here, I guess. And in the fourth qualifier, I don't think either of us got it, right? No, um, no. I, you I had picked Gombosh, Gombosh had and I had Serundo. So they both lost in the second round. But this was also one of the better ones, right? Uh, Serundolo, Gakov, Medjedovic, De Jong, Gombosh, mm-hmm. all in good form, all very capable. Uh, Serundolo lost to Medjedovic. I didn't think that uh, Medjedovic was actually going to outgrind Serundolo in Paris in like these pretty slow clay courts, but he did. And of course, Medjedovic eventually um, ends up qualifying, which I think we are both very happy about, uh, even if, you know, Norbert Gombosh maybe holds a special place in your heart but Medjedovic in the main draw is a good thing for sure it's it's a great story for sure the fact that he went down a bagel and then still won that <laughs> final qualifying round against Jesper Deong is is ridiculous funny it's it's, it's very him um and yeah I mean you you could see just how much it meant to him to to make it through there it, it, was, it was great to see and he has a great draw as well as we will talk about later Next section, I had Blanca No, you had Bonadio, but it was Emilio Nava who ended up coming through, beating Kuzmanov, Brody, and Blanca No. What did you make of him there? Yeah, I guess, I mean, he has been training on clay a lot, you know, with Ferrero and Alcaraz. <laughs> I guess maybe that helps a bit. I don't know. Um, it was a pretty easy section for him. Like, if he, if you only need to play Kuzmanov, Brody, and Blanca No, it's an easy section. Uh, I was disappointed with my Bonadio peak, frankly. Like, um, yeah, him losing 3 6 to 6 to Blancano. Yeah, just didn't show up at all. And that was, I guess, the disappointment. But of course, in the end, I was happy that Nava pulled through because he was actually the guy who got me to win, right? Because you, you had Blancano on the last day. I had uh, Koboli and Koboli made it, but Blancano did not. And uh, I think in the sixth section, we just both went for cutoff, right? And that was like yeah. a very, very popular pick, um, you know, throughout the board. Uh, whoever I saw was basically picking cutoff here. And then I don't think anyone would have been going for Olivieri really. Frankly, that much against Olivier, Olivieri against Andreev in the final qualities round, I watched it and it was just terrible both guys were so nervous and uh somehow <laughs> olivieri pulled through but that was also after a, like a contentious line call uh, well not, not really the line call but um from a contentious call from the umpire uh that the crowd got involved as well it was crazy you could really see that both these guys are trying to get their first um atp uh sorry grand slam uh, main draw but yeah cutoff was a bit of a disappointment for sure 
Yeah, and, and, and it was a very, very tight match against Hertz. It went all the way 10-7 in the deciding tiebreaker. I was I was watching that tiebreaker, hoping hoping all the way. Didn't, didn't pull through because it was and, like, uh, like a that's roller hilarious coaster moment, one. Right? Uh, because Kotov thought that was to seven points, not to ten. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that. That's never a good sign. I I feel like that. Like the the empire has to tell them. Like like before. Yeah, uh, uh, they say it. They say it actually. They say it actually. But you know, like sometimes at, at the start in the, of the tiebreaker, or yeah. or at the start yeah. of the match. Yeah, with the start oh. of the tiebreaker, they they said it. But um, that's maybe you know, yeah. the crowd I, is I, I, the I crowd is just, clapping. You're just so locked in and exactly, like, so and also the crowd is cheering. You're like barely here. You barely hear the empire. So yeah. Mm. Yeah, in the next section, as you said, you had Koboli, I had Klein. Koboli overcame Klein 6-4-6-4 in the second qualifying round, which was a surprise for me because Klein did so well, very confident showing against Navone, while Koboli sort of struggled mm-hmm. to beat Erhat, although Erhat uh, did perform uh, in, in that match. 6-4 in the third there for Koboli, and then he beat Lokoli uh, in the final qualifying round, 7-5-6-3. Who was I like not I th- I think maybe I mentioned him because I did consider him slightly just because I I, I think he he really shows up uh, for for moments like this and like a lot of the yeah. Frenchmen show, showed up in qualifying here but yeah couldn't get it over the line against Kobuli. Yeah, like Matis Erhard, whom you mentioned, I, I think he was just really so inspired. And yeah, Locoli definitely has had some great moments at the French in the past as well. So I get it. Um, I thought that Koboli was the strongest one here. And um, that's probably one of my better picks here because three, three of our points we, we shared. So Koboli is probably like one of my, my better picks for sure here. I thought that he uh, probably has the, you know, very good chance to beat Watanuki, beat what beat Klein, and he didn't actually get to play Watanuki, but of course that's not really what matters. And in the eighth section, Radu Albot, he actually beat both our picks, but he beat yours yeah. in the final qualifying round, which made it seem like you might uh, like have a very good, like even even win by a few points before the final day, because that also happened in another section, which we're gonna talk about later. But um, he actually beat Kopriva, so my pick in the first round, then yours in the final qualifying round. I don't know how Radu Albot does it, but you know, I certainly did not expect him to beat both clay court specialists in this section, but that's exactly what he did. Yeah, and I mean, especially when, when he went and lost the first set 6-2 to Peniston, uh, I, I was never yeah. thinking that he was going to come through uh, for Mr. Tone against Ugo Karabelli, but you you could just sort of feel the the experience and and that like, like that he has felt those moments before many, many times over his career, so... Good on good on Radu Albot for pulling through, and he was rewarded with a very nice draw in the in the main draw. Ninth section, uh, we both went for Stricker, who once again doesn't make it through into the main draw of the slam. It is instead Thiago Agustin Tirante who beat him six three one six six one. Up to that point, uh, he beat Hijikata in the first round six three six two. Was pushed all the way by Onclan six four in the third. What did you make of Tirante here? Yeah, Tirante was surprisingly good. Like the, the backhand was not leaking at all uh, against Onclan. He was just so deadly on the forehand. Um, and uh, it was a great match, actually. Uh, and after seeing Onclan Tirante, I wasn't sure about Stricker pulling through because the quality was just really high. And um, yeah, eventually, of course, it's good for Stricker to get there through the back door and get the lucky loser spot. Uh, but certainly he kind of disappointed us in terms of like picking him again and, you know, thinking that this is the time for him to do it. 
and he eventually is in the main draw, but it would be more, I think it would be better for him, like confidence wise, if he was actually for there sure. as a qualifier. And in the 10th section, no one would have picked Yunchek Shank just because he won one match before the Australian Open, between the Australian Open and the French Open. And then suddenly, of course, he qualifies. We were sort of saying that, you know, Maroshan is, he's so inconsistent, but at the same time, the draw is easy enough that you kind of have to pick him. Uh, he did, you know, he, he had some physical issues in the opening round against Litu, but then in the second round, he looked fine. Uh, Shank played a very good match. Maroshan did not. Um, glad that Shang eventually made it through it. It's a fun story, of course, as well, with him also making it in Melbourne. Um, and clearly he has made a huge jump this year. It's just that he wasn't really able to show it because he was injured most of the time between the French and the and the Australian Open. Yeah, I mean, great bounce back from Shang, who did get to play against Cuevas, who was, wasn't maybe entirely there physically yet uh, to start. But yeah, taking a Marujan, I didn't really see that coming and I didn't even really see him beating Olivo in the final qualifying round. I, th- I thought Olivo was going to grind him down uh, there, but yeah, Shank pulled through. Section number 11, we both went for Barrios Vera, who lost to Melijeni Alves, who lost to Timofey Skatov, who qualified once again, uh, beating Escoffier, wait no, uh, beating Diallo and then Virtanen. Virtanen, he beat 7-5 in the third. So tough, uh, tough path for Skatov to to get there, but he made it. What did you make of him? Yeah, um, also a crazy comeback in the second in the final qualifying round against Melikani Alves. Uh, I guess for most of uh, like for most of people, like this came down to Melikani Alves, Barrios Vera, these who picked Melikani Alves. So not us. <laughs> they were actually right, I would say. But then of course Melikani Alves just didn't close it out from six to five, four to forty fifteen up on return, but still. And yeah, Skatov somehow makes it through his second Grand Slam qualifying, but this run was way less impressive than the one that the Australian Open two years ago, or, you know, in 2022. Um, so yeah, and in the 12th section, it seemed like it was just a two-way race between Zapieri and Bergs. That's what we went for. I went with Zapieri and you went with Bergs. But Bergs actually lost to Ferreira Silva in the second qualifying yeah. round, which was a bit of a surprise. I wish he played like a warm-up event before the French, uh, on red clay, I mean. I don't know why he didn't. Maybe he was, maybe he had some small issues. I don't know. Um, but anyway, as a Pieri, he just qualified very easily. And it's the second year in a row he does, he does that. And again, the section was really, really soft for him after Berg's lost. Yeah. I mean, Sapieri routined this section 646 six, on Basilashvili, 636 on Ferreira Silva. Uh, yeah. Looking back, it, it seems it seems quite silly. I didn't pick Zapieri here. That it, it seems quite quite obvious uh, in in retrospect for me. Section number twelve. Uh, wait, no. Section number thirteen. We both went for Thiago Sebaschwild, and he did deliver for us. Uh, coming through against Mejia seven six six one. Dropped the set to Berankis, but one six two in the third, and then absolutely dominated Dominic Kepfer, who we I think viewed as pretty much a 50-50 matchup going into the final qualifying round. Beat him six one six one. Kepfer had already beaten uh, Jean Barpiroche and Federico Delbonis. What did you make of Sebochfield on this run? Yeah, I think we viewed like Piroš, Kepfer, and Sebochfield as basically even, uh, and uh, then Sebochfield just thrashes Kepfer. But I also think the German was like. I, I don't really get what uh, what he uh, was doing in that performance. Frankly, he was just very rushing everything and uh, like making just a ton of errors while not really getting 
much out of his baseline play at all. But um certainly very happy that Saberfield in, is in the draw. I just wish he got a better opponent in the opening round, but we'll get to that soon. And in the 14th section, we also got a point uh, with uh, Sebastian Ofner. I think this for everyone was like a two-way race between Diaz Acosta and Ofner. That's exactly what happened. Um, Diaz Acosta was actually favored to win that final qualities round, but Ofner on the day just played insanely good, I think. And um, he was much better than his first two rounds for sure as well. So I guess he just found a way to peak at the right time. But of course, Diaz Acosta won't be that angry, given the fact that he's also in the main draw as a lucky loser. Very, very deserved lucky loser for for Diaz Acosta. Yeah. Glad that he's in there. Uh, but yeah, Ofner delivered uh, like like we both ex- expected him to. Maybe the the first two rounds weren't as straightforward as we maybe expected. Seven six six four yeah. against Noguchi, three six six four six love against Koinski. But he tuned himself up. He got himself ready, and when it mattered, he beat Diaz Acosta in straight sets. So delivered on that count. Section number fifteen. We both went for Kimer Kopejans, who won just four games against eventual qualifier Pedro Martinez, uh, who, yeah, just sort of re- really um, was was sort of a, a surprise. Like, like he didn't have much form going in. Uh, but, yeah, looking back, I'm not sure why we both picked Kopejans. But, uh, yeah, 6 3 6 one against Kopejans, 7 6, six two against Adet. And then came back from a sit down to bagel Facundo Bagnis in the deciding set. What did you think of him? Yeah, I was actually comparing my picks for uh, for the Australian Open with like four other people. Like someone even did an Excel chart, like the one I, I also have for our picks. And, um, you know, uh, three of them picked Copians along with myself. So three out of five, actually, which um, somehow he was a very popular pick, you know, and maybe this was a little optimistic. Nice guy. Yeah, I think that's how that's why we keep picking. Like at least I keep picking Copians, uh, because he's a nice guy and I just kind of wish him wish him the best. And um, you know, it didn't work out. When I was watching that match, it actually kind of seemed like Martinez in a way is a like a superior version of Copians in in a lot of ways, frankly. Uh, but anyway, Martinez then just survived a crazy comeback against Bagnis, who it looks like will not make it because he's the second in line for the lucky loser, which is just absolutely brutal. But yeah, we we probably shouldn't have been going Copians here in hindsight. Like that's the only pick that I really can, can say that I regret that I you know did something wrong on. I think. And in the last section, it was also another one of these where um, one guy beat both of our picks, and it was actually Luka Pui beating Mahach, then Chunsin Tseng, and then Yuri Rodionov. Mahach was my pick, Rodionov was Jakub's, and um, never would have guessed that, of course. This was like the best run he's had in three, year, in three years, probably. And uh, yeah, just played some absolutely inspired tennis in front of the crowds, which uh, g- gave him a lot of energy, I think. And now he gets a uh, round one uh, qualifying, fi- round, round one final qual- qualifying round matchup uh, rematch, sorry, against Rodionov, <laughs> which is just crazy. Yeah, I, I had a feeling he might recapture some some magic in front of the crowd and everything. I did not imagine it to to this extent. Uh, going on to beat my pick, uh, really upsetting. But yeah, I, I, I just can't help but be happy for him after he shared everything that he's been through. It is so great to, to see him back and competing at this level. 
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Yeah, so as we as we talked about the results of our predict the qualifiers game, if you can call it that, we also have another one where we also compete and it's just as interesting and just as competitive for both of us. We uh, definitely want to win it like 100%. You know, it's the most important thing in the world. And uh, this is a draft big game of the qualifiers. And the way it works is that we both take turns to um, pick between the qualifiers, uh, like, you know, just build our team. And then whoever gets the most points win, wins. And who gets, um, like, how do you get points? If your player wins a set, you get a point. And if your player wins a match, you get five points bonus. So basically like what's really important is winning matches, but sometimes it's the little sets that decide. If I remember correctly at the Australian Open, we actually tied. And what gave me the tie was yeah. Quaco getting a set of Djokovic, which was pretty crazy. <laughs> really, for this year, we are actually still tied. Um, usually we can also intro- include the lucky losers, but as at the time of recording, which is Saturday night, evening, um, there are only three lucky losers. So, um, we cannot really include them because, you know, it wouldn't make sense. Someone would have a high, like more contestants on the team. So we are only including qualifiers in this. And of course, we're going to have like, you know, just someone will, will pick one qualifier, then two, 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 until there's just one left because, you know, that it's more fair this way than if someone got uh, the first pick and, you know, was able to choose two of them. So uh, we also uh, have to decide who gets the first pick and we usually do it through rock, paper, scissors, which for you doesn't really make sense. Yeah, because (laughs) you're not going to see it. But anyway, let's do it. Rock, paper, scissors or whatever. I chose scissors. I don't see what you have. Also scissors. Once again, yes. Rock, paper, scissors. Again, scissors. Uh, You got me. I had paper. It's actually a pretty tough choice for me. Like, who do I want to go with first? I, who do I trust more? Um, because I have a guy who I think will reach like the quarterfinals even, but I'm actually going to choose another player who I think is like more of a sure thing. And this guy is going to be Sebastian Ofner. Honestly, just this phenomenal draw for him. Cressy, no wins on clay this year. McDonald, no wins on clay this year. Corda, no wins on clay this year. And these are all the opponents he can face in the, until the third round. And if he goes into the third round, Ojeral Yassim as the seed. This is beautiful. I actually think Sebastian Ofner might make the fourth round. Yeah, I mean, you absolutely confounded me here because when you said you had the guy that you think is going to make the quarterfinals, I assumed you were talking about Sebastian Ofner. I mean, the the draw yeah. is is spectacular. I don't the, think he'll beat Tsitsipas, that's why. Round. But well, I, yeah, I can... that's true. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, it's a great pick. He he was number one on, on my board. Uh, plays Cressy, who hasn't won a match since February. Caught Dan McDonald, didn't win anything on clay. It really is a lovely, lovely pick. I have to hope for like a Seb Corda resurgence or something, basically, to take you out there. So now that I'm thinking about who is your guy that you think is going to reach the quarterfinals, I have to think that it's going to be Aslan Karatsev. So even though I have him quite low down, actually, I think fifth on my board, I'm just going to take him out of spite so you can't have him. 
And then I'm going to take one of these early easy round guys. I will go with Radu Albot. He plays Kipson and then Hachanov for Lestien. So I think I will get a win there and then maybe a couple of sets. I guess that's my punishment for talking too much. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, it was Karatsev. I, I do think this is really possible. Like Tiafo, Zverev, they are all vulnerable. Um, he can really make the quarters there if he's just playing at his best. Of course, it's Karatsev, so he might lose to Popirin, but... But he could he, he could lose to Popirin. Exactly, that's, yeah. That's um, but I, I get that pick. And of course, I also would have liked to have Albot on my team because it just seems like it's eight points for nothing, but... Um, I, anyway, I'm going to do something that, oh, I actually can't do it. I forgot about this. I wanted to do Puy Rodionov, but Rodionov is not is, is no, a lucky loser um, because that would set me up for at least eight points. And I also don't think it will be a free set match. So anyway, I have to change my strategy now. Ah, um, this, this has really um, dumbfounded me. I guess I will have to go with Medjedovic against Kiron. Like, I, I can't really stay objective about this match. I have no clue like whether he is actually winning this. I really don't. Uh, but I hope that he will. And I think, you know, his peak level is definitely good enough to do it. So I'm going to try. Uh, but yeah, just, just how much I like his game and how much I like his prospects is definitely blurring my judgment. But at the same time, I'm going to also go with Pedro Martinez, who's playing Talon Greek Sport. And... Um, the reason why I think Martinez is winning this match is mostly the fact that um, Greek Sport is, you know, he has that ankle injury and he has been delaying the surgery. Uh, but recently it seems like it's just such a poor decision and he withdrew from Rome, then uh, actually gave a walkover in Geneva. I think Martinez has a very real shot to win this one, especially like in the best, in a best of five set match. Yeah. So Martinez and Majedovic for me. Yeah, two, I think, solid picks. Uh, Martinez, I had higher than, than Medjedovic. Medjedovic, I think I had seventh here. Martinez, I had fourth. He plays an injured Greek sport, which I think is a great opportunity. I included him on my 11-fold, I think it was, in the end, that I ended up betting uh, out of Sunday's matches. Uh, so ho hopefully he delivers. Definitely he's going to go in 11-folds often do. It's like it, it. It is. It is a lot of favorites. Like it's, okay. it's, it's primarily just favorites, and then him and Storm Hunter because she plays an injured Parisas Diaz. Oh yeah, and they, they 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 were the ones who were like like the also for Martinez were like one eighty, and for Hunter it was like two. So those were no brainers, and then I just basically stuffed them full of favorites because there's like a bonus that you get for for having mm -hmm. more matches on there. So back to this. Who am I going with? I will go with General Alberto Olivieri. Did he seem horribly, horribly nervous in that final qualifying run? Yes. Will he be horribly, horribly nervous playing a French player in front of a French crowd? I think so. However, we are very lucky that that French player is Mpeji Perigard. And, and he's also going to be horribly, horribly nervous. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trust and believe he will be shaking. Uh, and it's sort of maybe to try and harness the the other side of this French crowd energy, I will be going with Luca Pui here. I think that he will beat Rodionov in this rematch. Um, not super confident in it, but uh, I th I think we sort of had hit this, are uh, hitting this sort of middle range of, of players. Uh, yeah. So I'm curious who you're going for next. I feel it in my gut that Rodionov will actually come back and win this one right now. Um, probably like in like five sets and it's going to be long and Puy is not going to have enough in the tank. But, you know, it's it's just a gut feeling. Like it, it's nothing scientific really. Um, who am I going for? 
I think I'm just going to take the chance on Zapieri and take, basically just wager the fact that Bublik recently lost to Mayor winning four games, recently lost to Giron winning four games. And like he can always lose a match in clay. So um, I think I'm going to go with Zapieri. I don't think he has a good chance in the second round then against the Root, but you know, who cares? And then from that point, this point onwards, I think we're mostly looking at big underdogs. It would have been a little different if we had lucky losers, because I think Streaker has a fine chance against Paul. Rodionov has a very fine chance against Puy, of course, and also Diaz Acosta has a very fine chance against uh, Kubler. Uh, Diaz Acosta is even the favorite of this match, according to the bookies. But um, for if when it comes to the qualifiers, we are really looking at some lesser chances right now. I think I'm going to go with Yuncheng Shang. Uh, Valias is not exactly in, in like a strong point at the moment. So um, yeah, I think Shang, if he plays like he did against Maroshan, he has every chance of winning this one as well. Yeah, th- those were the next two guys on my board. So I think you you picked well here on both Thank counts. you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not thinking, who do I want to pick out of here? So I think that I will go with Emilio Nava uh, against Karbaez Baena. I think Karbaez Baena is, is the, the weakest of the, of the remaining opponents that we have in this lineup and then i think i will stick with my guy from qualifying andrea vavasori all the way uh he is a you know a different type of player to play kitsmanovic i i think the form hasn't been that amazing coming in so so maybe he can grab a couple of sets or you know pull off an upset maybe who knows all right um yeah i think these are pretty decent peaks too um from that, from what I can see, we have Koboli, right, who's playing against Alcaraz. We have Saberfield, who's playing against Medvedev. We have uh, Skatov, who's playing against Dimitrov. We have Emer, who's playing against Ruud. And aha, Tirante against Van der Zandskulp. Okay. Yeah. So three, three very high seeds, and also Dimitrov and Van der Zandskulp are the rivals. Uh, and now I get to pick two of them, and then you will leave me with one. I actually want Thiago Saberfield, you know? I actually want him here. Um, like, I have no clue if if he's going to match up well against Medvedev. My gut here says he probably will not be able to hit through him. But I just want him like on the off chance that he actually creates something and then I can feel really good about this. So um, the other guy that I'm going to pick, I think is going to be Tirante. Van der Zandhoop seems a bit uh, vulnerable right now. I don't think he's, if he's actually vulnerable to Tirante. Um, maybe he's actually one of the guys who will start like exposing his flows a little bit. But maybe if it's sunny, maybe if it's fast uh, that day and Tirante's forehand and serve just do the job, it's possible, I think. So you've got three guys left, right? Skatov, Imer, and Koborli. I think I, I think I, I know who I'm going to get. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you, you took the, the best two guys remaining, I think. So I will go with Skatov the i think the least confident of of any of the qualifiers that i'm in uh just like pure pure ability wise but we'll see what happens dimitrov is coming off of a final so hopefully he's tired or or something that's what i that i'm hoping for here and then do i want imer against rude or kopoli against alcaraz i think i will go with elias imer i think that he has more potential of making it a, a grind fest maybe stealing a set or two from casper leaving you with with flavia kopoli against the top seed here yeah, when I realized that it's cut of Imer and Koboli left, I already knew that it was going to be Koboli for me. 
of course, no one is really going to pick him against Alcaraz. But I, I, you know, if the draw ended up a bit different, like if Karatsev or Sabov played played Alcaraz, um, he probably wouldn't be the. They probably wouldn't be the last picks, I think. But um, yeah, Kombolia, I also don't think so. So yeah, just looking at it, I don't know. I guess the two premium picks are Ofner Karatsev, definitely right, and then. We'll see. Then there are a lot of players who can like win a round or two, but probably not much more. Ofner and Karatsev are, I guess, the ones that could potentially go ballistic here, but um, yeah. it's not. I mean, to, to, to be fair, I I feel like we've had a, a stronger crop than we than we usually get. Just like chances wise, like mm-hmm. I feel like like nine guys are maybe potentially e- even two favorites. In their matches, like like the lowest okay. that I would probably go is, is is Shang that I view as as maybe a 50-50 just because Varias is yes. in such a poor, such a poor form. Sepieri against Bublik to me is is probably the favorite. Majedovic, Hiron, Huirodinov, and like everybody else above yeah, them. Yeah, Sh- Shang is where I would draw draw the line too. Yeah. yeah. Then there are seven who are like complete underdogs. There are yeah. two qualifiers who can like go ballistic, but there are nine who can like feasibly win their first matches and no one would really bat an eye. So um yeah, we're we're gonna be back to review this game in a week. Uh, provided there are no more qualifiers the, the teams in the room. Uh, or oh actually you can you, 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 teams, you can yeah. you can do it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So on your team you have Ofner, Medjedovic, Martinez, Cepieri, Shank, Seboshwild, Tirante, Koboli. I have Karatsev, Albot, Olivieri, Pui, Nava, Pavasori, Skatov, and Imer. Yeah, overall, I think Ofner for me was the number one by a lot, just because confidence-wise, yeah. I think he's definitely making that third round. Yeah. Where Karatsev, he, he has the potential, but my confidence level is not as high as Ofner. So I think you 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 definitely have the, the premium pick. And then I just sort of have to hope that I can get enough around the margins and then Ofner will will maybe lose that second round yeah well while I do think that Karatsev like if I if I was to do a full draw prediction I would have Karatsev deeper than Ofner he definitely has a lesser chance to get to like the third round than Ofner does yeah 100% so um yeah in that sense I agree and as I said we're going to be back to review this probably in a week unless there are still qualifiers in the draw by then then we're going to wait um, until um, two weeks from here. But um, who knows? We actually had a situation like this at the US Open 2021 where we needed to wait because there were still qualifiers in the draw, like Ote, Van de Zandskurp and someone else, right? That was like that one crazy, maybe Gojovcik? Gojovcik, I think. So that was that, like, yeah, that one crazy qualifier slum and uh, it was incredible. But um usually we just um, you know we easily just are able to finish this after the first week we'll see maybe Ofner and Karatsev will say otherwise um anyway we also have three challengers to preview there are all 75s I think so it's totally your call where we go first so let's start in Troisdorf where we have Pavel Kotov as a top seed playing Yuris Delor in a tough opener winner facing Gotye Anklen or Yuxiuxu Josef Kovalik is the seed in a section playing a qualifier and then Ernan Casanova or another qualifier. Lukas Klein is the fourth seed playing Marco Topo to start. Uh, winner then faces Ivan Gachov or Rafael Colignon, also a tough route. In his seed, in, in, in his section, the other seed is Yela Sells who plays Mats Morang in with a wildcard. Winner facing Chung Simtseng or a qualifier. Third section, Filip Misolic plays a qualifier and then Celik Pilek or Krutich. Zizu Bergs is the third seed, playing Jan Choinski and then Kuzmanov, or a qualifier. Final section, Jean Borpirosh is the second seed, playing Xiang Chan Hong. 
uh, whenever that fa uh, faces Henry Squire or Adrian Andreev. Kaichi Uchida is the seventh seed playing a qualifier, and then Andri Laksonen or Federico Ferreira Silva. In that qualifying, we have Nick Hart playing Orlando Luz. West is also in a section. Assuming Nagal could be an interesting one coming through. Renzo Olivo is here. Could face Kenitas Hepper in the final qualifying round. Hassan is here. Ginard, Lukas Gerg. Overall, not that strong, maybe. Over in the doubles, we have Franzen and Jebens as the top seats. Arias and Luz are also seated. Cervantes and Rokabataya are here. We have Ramkumar Ramanathan playing with Nenad Simonic. That's an interesting one. Really? I didn't see that coming. Oh, yeah. shoot. That's like James Blake almost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, not quite the same level uh, because I have seen Zimonich play, you know, I've, I've seen him around, I think, whereas James Blake, it was very, very borderline. Like I, I remember like the very end of his career. Uh, but yeah, James oh, yeah, Blake yeah. back, by the way. In so insane. Sense, yeah. <laughs> After a decade to play an M15 doubles with, uh, with some teenager. <laughs> But yeah, Zimonici is here playing with Ramanathan facing Dustin Brown. And then and uh, Brown is playing with Team Sandkowlen. So that's one to tune in for if you're going to watch any of the doubles. Uh, Igor Zelenai is playing with Denis Molchanov. They're the second seeds. This is a nice, nice sign for me. I think Molchanov and Zelenai, they've been, you know, so successful over the years. I think probably one of his most successful partnerships in his career. So hoping that this can carry him to, to uh, you know, get closer to that record. But going back to the singles, who do you like here for the title? Yeah, you're very right that Blake is just a little, a little more outrageous. Um, the only match I remember from him was um, the one where he retired, actually, <laughs> when he played Karlovic at the, at the US Open. Zimonic, I even remember playing singles. Um, 2020, early days on the Challenger Tour, he played Sanjar Fajziak. <laughs> And those yeah, of I, his, I, I, I remember seeing one. singles from like a Davis Cup tie, like a Davis yeah. Cup dead tie in like it's possible 2015 or something. Just yeah. making it up. In maybe. 2020, he played this one match in Nur Sultan, which was pretty crazy. Uh, but anyway, um, <laughs> when I'm looking at this draw, it's definitely really strong. Um, I have a friend who's like living pretty close to Trostorf. And he um, he was talking about this event like a couple of weeks back. And he was saying that it's probably going to suck in terms of the quality, but you know, he, it's super nah, close to him. So he's going to go. And I was like, really last year it was, you know, Kleinberg's final. I mean, what a final, right? And even the other seats were great. And this year, I think the field is even stronger. And um, that kind of makes it probably hard to pick out from. Um, there's Berks and Klein again. I don't know if I really trust them. Berks's section is pretty good outside of Misolic, I think. Klein Topo is an amazing first round after the ITFs yeah. that Topo won recently. So excited to see how it goes. Uh, Cot of the lore, of course, as well. Um, I wish Mats Morayink was in form. I wish he was like, you know, healthy and back when he was um, a force, but he's not really. And um, I think I'm generally going to go with Jombor Pirosh, uh, the second seed. Also a really nice draw, it seems. Squire just had some decent ITF runs, but it's still Squire and Clay. So I don't think it will be that... Um, he will be that dangerous. Andreev, after seeing him in round Garros qualities, I'm not really that afraid of him. Pirosh was, of course, very unlucky in Paris, drawing Kepfer in the opening round. I haven't really glanced at the qualifying. Usually when we um, when we talk about these challengers, we already have the first round, first qualities round played out. Uh, this time we're recording on Saturday because Skopje finished the day earlier. So 
Um, we still don't have anything. I guess Sumit Nagal could be dangerous, Olivo as well, Hassan, but it doesn't look like, um, well, there's just one qualifier in the pure section and he could play them in the quarters. So yeah, that's not enough to change my mind. Definitely going with Jean-Paul Piroche here. Yeah, Jean-Paul Piroche was also the, the, the conclusion that I came to. Uh, as as we were sort of looking at this draw, it's it's definitely the the nicest draw out of out of any uh, like of the contenders here. Maybe Andreev's second round could be potentially tricky, but the the quarterfinal opponent will be nice for him. And of course, from semis semis onwards, it should get tough for anybody. So I still need to keep cutting down this lead that you have. So I will go with Lukash Klein despite the, the tricky, tricky draw of Marco Topo and then Gajo over Colignon. It's it's a tough draw. It will test him early. But if he can come through it, I think that he's probably the favorite to, to reach the final. Okay, let's move on to Vicenza, where the top seed is Francesco Passaro facing Maximilian Neukrist, winner facing Nicolas Davidionel or a qualifier. Mattia Bellucci plays Yevgeny Donskoy, winner facing Matteo Gigante or Santiago Rodriguez Taverna. Vít Kopšiva plays Andrea Coyarini and then Puccino de Almeida or Francisco Maestrelli. Imer Kopejans plays Francisco, Francisco Comesania and then João Souza or a qualifier. Third section, we have Ricardo Bonadio as the fourth seed playing a qualifier and then Marco Tronheiti or Lorenzo Rotoli. Franco Agamenone plays a qualifier and then Mariano Navone or another qualifier. Final section, we have Luca Nardi in, in with a wildcard playing Luciano Datteri. Winner could play Dalibor Svecina or Rio Noguchi. Shoshima Bukuro is the eighth seed playing Pablo Yamas Ruiz and then Piraino or a qualifier. In the qualifying, we have Federico Gallo as the top seed. Uh, we also have Justino in there. A couple of guys who have been able to, to get some runs. Bor Artnak plays Nerman Fatic. We have Poruchaga here as well. Lavagno, Caruso, Sedarusic, Morocania, Stravalia, Fonio Weiss, Sachko Arnabody here. So some, some Italian veterans that maybe could shake it up if they make it in with the right form. In the doubles, we have Portolotti and Martos Gornes as the top seeds. We have Navona and Rodriguez Taverna playing together. We have Scott Duncan and Marcus Willis once again. Out here, we have Kopšiva and Pospisil, also exciting to see. Uh, the Uetas del Pino brothers are playing together, but I don't think I saw them in, in qualifying. Or did I just miss them? Would they yeah, make it, it actually? Like I don't think they would make it. Yeah, it, so so they're here, just doubles only. Maybe hope, hoping for odd spots or something. But yeah. that's that's a bit I, I, weird. I don't think they would have made it. Yeah, yeah, so that's that's kind of weird. The scheduling. The second seeds are Vladislav Manafov and Shimon Valkov, and they will actually play Kimer Kopejans and Marko Trucheti, which is a fun veteran singles pairing. Oh. But going back to the singles, who do you like for the win here? Yeah, apparently Arkron was eighth alternate into the qualifying, and Connor was sixteenth. So they were actually not that far out. Um, interesting. Yeah, it's going to be, I mean, I don't think it's going to be interesting to see them in singles on the European soil. I think they will probably lose most of the time, but in doubles, like I, I wonder, you know, what their strength will be compared to like the usual European teams. I'm actually kind of excited for this. I might tune into 
one of their matches. Um, this is really strong too. Like it, it maybe doesn't have the seeds of um, well, at least mostly doesn't really have the strength of the of like Klein, Berg's Kotov, but it has Passaro still and Nardi, of course, took a late wild card. There's Bonadio, uh, who I seem to be picking a lot. <laughs> I don't know if I'm gonna <laughs> do it here. Um kinda like Kimmer Kopeans again seems like a realistic peak, but I don't think I can really do it. Passaro seems to be out of form or slash injured right now. Bellucci, of course, has not been great. Um, Agamemnon, I don't really like as a peak most of the time. I think I'm going to have to go with Bonadio, you know, he's playing a qualifier, then Truncali, Truncaliti, um, then Agamemnon or Navone or a qualifier. Yeah, I think I have to go with Bonadio. You know, Tarderi Nardi is such a tough opening round in that same in that uh, same uh, half. Uh, Yamas Ruiz as well. He just got his first ATP Tour win, but um, yeah, I think I'm just gonna go with Bonadio. I just like his section quite a lot, and um, I know I've been picking him a lot. Maybe it will be like a story, uh, like the Valkus story for you, where you pick him a lot and then he wins the title, and then you're like, you know, have this satisfaction. And um, yeah, that's what I'm gonna go for. Maybe. I mean, that's certainly interesting. I wasn't really expecting that. Um, I'm sort of sitting here between two mm-hmm. relatively out of form Italian guys, both of whom impressed me in their performances, but haven't been getting wins. Uh, that is Luca Nati and Mattia Bellucci. Bellucci, okay. came, uh, you know, pushed Hanfman all the way. Nati went uh, 7-5 in his third with, with Tabilo there. And then I think draw-wise, I may be like... Nardi just a little bit more past that first round. Whereas Bellucci, Gigante there, Passaro. I mean, who who knows what Passaro brings here? But yeah, look at Nardi for me. I think that's a that's a decent pick. And then for Little Rock, do we have the draw? We don't. We have doubles and qualities. We don't have the main draw singles. <sighs> or at least on, on there, maybe I can I, I would have hoped that it would be made by now because what, what, when I started reading these, it, it was already up there. Yeah, um, but Kashnikovsky to be fair, it, as well. it is it is a nice nice qualifiers draw as far as like exciting matchups. You have Donald Young against Sasikuman Mukund, you have Kashnikovsky against Ruben Jose Statham, <laughs> uh, you have Strong Kirkheimer. Always nice to see that name in a draw. It's a lot of fun. Peter Goyovchik facing Alafia Ayeni. I think that's great. Bernard Tomic uh, plays Tristan McCormick. We'll see what happens there. Mariusz Kopil, who I, I actually had uh, a Twitter conversation about uh, flights with. <laughs> I think I saw the like... tweet. I did not saw your answers, though, but I think I yeah, saw it, 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 it wasn't super long, but it was basically like it was about normal, that, like, normal flights. Like, like uh... flying within Europe, like if you pay yeah, for yeah. a normal flight compared to a budget airline, there's basically no difference. And I was like, yeah, that's true. I, that's I, I true. only that's ever true. really fly budget airlines unless it's like a connecting flight to go to America. Uh, but yeah, Mariusz Kopl plays Michael Zheng and then Alex Bolt or, or Duarte Valle, which is also an interesting one. So hoping the, the main draw is, is just as good. Yeah. In the doubles, we have Evan King and Reese Stolder as the top seeds. They play Statham and, and Mansuri. We have Jason Nam playing with Atem Sitak. That's an interesting pairing. They play Kade and Masur, who have who have been, you know, both really strong doubles players at at, at times. Lawson and Pevalarak, these are the third seeds. You have Bolt and Harris playing together. Shimitsu, Uchiyama, Durasovic, Kengel, Toshi Matsu, and Kaito Wesugi are here once again. 
as the the four seeds. Rand Harrison is playing with Vasil Kirkov. Uh, they they got a wild card. They played the other wild cards, Hotard and Koch, where I assume are college players. Uh, Ruben Gonzalez and Hamza Vedugar, the second seeds, playing Galarno and Morano de Alboran, which is right. So after the extensive qualifying and doubles preview, we now do have the hotly anticipated main draw of Little Rock, Arkansas. Hot of the presses. Ouch, this paper is hot. Tunglin Wu is the top seed playing Bruno Kuzuhara. Uh, winner then facing Mark Laya or Mitchell Kruger. Aziz Dugas plays Skander Mansuri in the Tunisian derby. Winner facing Tristan Boyer or Evan Zhu. Antoine Escoffier plays Aiden, uh, plays Aiden Mayo. Winner facing Nathan Ponwith or a qualifier. Yasutoka Uchima plays Daniel Masur. And then Tyson Kwiatkowski or Viktor Durasovic. Juan Pablo Fikovic plays Alexis Galarno and then Alex Mikkelsen or Denis Yevseyev. Then we have Mark Polmans playing a qualifier and then Reis da Silva or another qualifier. Nicolas Moreno de Alboran is the second seed playing Marek Kengel and then one of two qualifiers. Tennis Sandgren plays Yuta Shimizu and then Mikhail Kukushkin or another qualifier. So yeah, what do you make of this draw? No Kinishkori as initially advertised and anticipated. He delayed his comeback by two weeks. So that's when we'll get him in Puerto Rico. Same week as Miloš Raonic and then Bosch. But here in Little Rock, who do you have as the winner? Was that really worth waiting for? What the hell is this draw? Like it, it honestly looks even weaker than the qualifying, I would say. Like the, the qualifying uh, like is more exciting. Week. Yeah. More exciting uh, but- for sure. Yes. Thankfully, thankfully, all of these guys, um, you know, who qualify are actually going to be in the main draw as well. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I have no clue what to go for here. Uchiyama, I guess, was in pretty decent form recently. Do I want to pick him? Uh, Durasovic, second round, Masur. Maybe this is the week where Durasovic actually does something, right? I mean, we've been waiting for it a bit. But I don't know. Mansuri and Dugas playing each other, not in a Monastir final, just feels very wrong. Uh, Tristan Boyer, um, I'm really excited to see what he can do. Uh, I don't think I've ever watched him on hard courts, only these, you know, this green clay series. So, uh, Mark Layal, if he could get on a run, that would be amazing. I think I am seriously thinking of picking Alex Michelson. Uh, I think I might do it. Like Reis da Silva, what the hell is he doing here? <laughs> I, I'm really excited to see how he fares too. Definitely have never watched him off clay. Um, Sandgren, I was thinking of, but since Indian Wells, he has only played one match and lost to Lorenzo Cla- Claveri on um, Green Clay. So not really going for it. Moreno Dalboran is very decent on hard courts too, I guess. Like in this strength of the draw, um, maybe he could actually do something. But yeah, I guess I am going with um, Michelson. I've... Was there anyone in the qualies that I might be picking? I, you know, we had this Tomic. extensive preview, and I could don't completely forgot about anyone by but Kashnikovsky, but yeah, Tomic as well. Uh, yeah, no, 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 not Zhukayev, not Goyovchik, not, but actually Goyovchik, I any Jesus Christ, what a match. Um, sorry, let's not talk about round. let's not talk about the qualifying again, I suppose. <laughs> but Kopitschenk is so good too. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited for the qualifying tomorrow, actually. But anyway. Um, I am picking Alex Michelson for the dwarf. Um, I think this is a very, very even draw. And um, yeah, him playing at his very best, definitely among the main contenders. Yeah, Michelson, Michelson, uh, whichever it is. Yeah, whatever. Uh, de- de- definitely a hot favorite here. 
Oh man's in the section I might be a little bit worried about. Uh I have decided to go with the top seed here with the chalk, Tung Lin Wu. He has been a lot more inconsistent than I think we expected this year. Uh not really taking the, the next step uh, like we maybe expected. Uh especially that's so it start. I, I I sort of thought that he that he might he might jog on and, and uh, push okay. for the top one hundred maybe. But to be fair, even even last year, it was a lot of inconsistency with some highlights. He, of course, is the defending finalists. Beat Kovacevic here last year. Or it got swept by Kubler. Uh, left 6-2-6 in that final. But Kubler is not here anymore. He's in Paris. So I think Wu can finish what he started last year and go all the way in Little Rock, Arkansas. Why not? I mean, um, I guess he won one game in Paris, but that doesn't really matter, right? Um, yeah, yeah with Tonglin was placed at all. Uh, this inconsistency is probably here to stay, I think, but we'll see. Of course, he's already even made an ATP Tour win this year, right? Um, over, who was it, Public? Public, yeah. Public, I think, yeah, and the Sunshine Damo. Um, yeah, interesting event. I certainly did not expect the main draw to be so unexciting I compared to the be qualities. better, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But anyway, that, that's what it is. Um, thank, thank I, you. Guys. I, I wish we had like a like a swap option where we could just take like five guys from yeah. the main draw and just absolutely. I mean, what the hell <laughs> is, the is that? Koyovchik Ayeni in the in the first too round. Kopil against for, uh, Wimbledon oh. runner-up Michael Zhang, Kashnikovsky, Tomic. I mean, Jesus Christ, Tomic. Uh, Tomic is playing McCorbick, isn't he? They yeah, they McCormick. they just played like two weeks ago, I think, or maybe. Maybe I'm messing up something, but I think they, they just played on the ITF tour. And uh, yeah, and Tomic won in three sets. Anyway, um, that's going to be it for this week, I suppose. Uh, we will be back, of course, to discuss the draft pick that we did for the Ron Garros qualities, but also, of course, these three challenger events. So Little Rock, Tosdorf, and Vicenza. Um, you might have noticed that I'm saying uh, this German city quite weird um that's because someone a year ago uh in my dms and thank and, and of course uh, i'm very grateful for this um tried to teach me to uh, how to pronounce this name which apparently is like some german dialect and um you know i'm trying my best so if if it's not up to the standard that you expected i'm sorry but i am trying i think you can hear that <laughs> anyway yeah i'm back in a week to talk little rock trosdorf um vicenza and uh, see you then. Bye.